San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. Good evening, everybody. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, LA County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. If you download the app for 760 KFMB, you could hear us on any device as this show airs. All these podcasts are commercial-free on iowamoney.com, and we are free on iTunes if you search the title of the show. And all time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire. He's an accomplished marathon runner. He's a best-selling author, a lecturer, a philanthropist, and a family office expert advising several high net worth families. His name is Richard Musio. Richard, good evening. How are you tonight? I am marvelous, Joe. I just <laughs> sped down the hill from Mammoth where my wife Mary ran the Mammoth Half Marathon last weekend. Wow. Congrats again. It was, um, it was fun uh, running with, um, well, no oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> But you're still breathing. So still that's, breathing, that's, exactly. That's a good thing. Exactly. So, hey, uh, Dick Van Dyke, as you know, yeah, was, thanks for the book. Yeah, I picked up three copies. They, they limited us to two, but uh, Arlene, his wife, was kind enough to uh, cut me in front of a lot of people. So I thank her for that because I was kind of in a hurry. But um, he had so many people there. You wanted me to personalize it to you, but he was I only had time to autograph his name because uh, you know he was ninety. Matter of fact. He's he 90. Was, yeah. I think, you know, after about 10 signatures, I think he was, uh, you know, kind of over it. But, you know, he had, carpal tunnel he, syndrome he had or to, something. They had to yeah. keep going. Yeah. But uh, anyway, that was great to see him. His book it, is called Keep Moving. That's in case anybody wonder. That's right. Tips on aging. It's, it's really a good book. Um, how about the heat this week? Did you, were you able to survive that? You didn't. Well, we, uh, we, you know, we were out you up in Mammoth. You didn't run well, in that, did you? I actually, yeah, I paced her. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Interesting. Well, was it hot? So driving home. So uh, what, was the te- what was the temperature there? Well, it was only about 85 there, but driving home through Hemet, uh, you know, north of Temecula, it was 118. Oh, my gosh. 118. Yeah, now you wouldn't have done, you wouldn't have run in that, would you? I mean, well, not, not a half. Not, I ran the Boston Marathon in 2012, and it was 118 on the pavement, 93 air temp. Oh, my God. Yeah, but uh, you won't do that again. <laughs> no, I won't do that again. You are correct. <laughs> you also carried 11 pounds of ice and lost 11 pounds, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. So, my gosh. No, I won't do that again. That was, but that I, I don't think I'd ever seen 118 on my car thermometer before. Yeah. But anyway, we had a very good show last week with Professor Doreen Mattingly, who wrote that wonderful book about the late, great, the Midge Costanza, which is a nice segue for our show tonight. Um, um, and by the way, um, there'll be another book signing, which uh, we helped to arrange at Warwick's for, uh, for the book, The Feminist in the White House. And um, that will be at Warwick's on August 16th at 730. So check their calendar or check our website. I think we have information there. But let's get right into it. We've got a, a guest tonight. And full disclosure, I've known her for a long time. And um, I think it's been about 12 years or maybe more. I don't know. But uh, uh, anyway, our guest tonight, gosh, she's been a, a port commissioner, a CEO. Uh, she's been a, she was head of the downtown partnership uh, for a good number of years. Uh, her bio is unbelievable. All these awards. I mean, just to give you a couple. I mean, she was uh, San Diego Metropolitan Magazine's 2011 Metro Mover, twice named uh, one of the 50 people to watch by San Diego Magazine. Salvation Army named her one of the 10 women of dedication in 02. Uh, on and on, Lead San Diego, Clean and Safe Program, uh, Pinnacle Awards, uh, the YWCA. I mean, 
It's just unbelievable. Well, we're going to get this all on our website because I, I don't want to take too much time. But uh, without any further delay, uh, Laurie Black, welcome to our show. Oh, Jovi, I'm <laughs> happy to be here with you and Richard. Finally. Yes. <laughs> At last. No, I've been listening to your show, so it's finally nice to be here. Yeah, we'll be part of it. So, well, you're, let's get right into your bio because uh, you're pretty much a native here. I know you went to San Diego State, right? Mm-hmm. But the, tell us where you're born and raised and, and educated and how you found your way to San Diego. Or were you born here? I don't even know. No, no. I was born in L.A. Okay. Uh, Mom and dad decided to get out of West L.A. back in 1960. My dad was a football coach. And, Hmm. uh, yeah. High school, college, what what uh, level? He was uh, high school and also in community college. And that just wasn't something that my Jewish grandmother understood. (laughs) (laughs) And so he went to Riverside. What was the line in Waterboy? Foosball is the handiwork of the devil? (laughs) Basically, that's how it was. Uh, Yeah, my dad played uh, offensive line at UCLA. Anyways, I was born, and we moved to Riverside. And then I grew up a little bit in Anaheim. And each of the ways, I uh, there was a brother being born and grew up really in Tustin, California. And in those days, back in 1976, when I was looking for college, it's not like today where you <laughs> spend three years trying to figure out where you want to go. Uh-huh. I was either UCLA or San Diego State. Okay. And um, being the relatively hairy-legged, Birkenstock uh, <laughs> woman that I was back then, uh-huh. uh, San Diego State had uh, really the number one women's studies program in the country. Really? And that made the decision. What a nice segue, because uh, now was Doreen Mattingly there the back then? Not, no, not Doreen there. She was, was not, not there, there in 76. Yeah. No, she she was not there. Okay. No. But there were some other incredible professors that I'm still close with today. So that was your major, women's studies? I was actually, it wasn't a major at the time. I was a political science major and a women's studies minor. Uh-huh. And in the very early 80s, um, I was working for Congressman Jerry Patterson monitoring women's issues and ended up writing a letter on behalf of the Women's Studies Department showing that like you could actually do something with this degree. Jerry Patterson, was he uh, represent one of the districts down here? or where No, he, he was up in Orange County. Orange County. I okay. graduated, moved up there. He was what they called a Watergate baby. Uh-huh. So he won in 1976 in uh-huh. a Republican district, uh-huh. and eventually in 1984 he was swept out yeah. by Dornan. Yeah. Well, that happens uh, sometimes, you know, when the things, the pendulum mm-hmm. swings, but uh, I did not know about that. So, um, of course, I knew your late husband, Bob. Where, I don't even know where you, where and when you met Bob. Oh, it's a great story. <laughs> I actually, um, in 1978, I went to an event that uh, Jimmy Carter's son was at, Chip Carter, on behalf of, at the time, Assemblyman Kapiloff. Long story short, there was a really good-looking guy, Seth Jacobson, I got to tell you. And he was he was Chip's advance guy. We ended up 11 people at the Atlantis restaurant, Jesse Unruh. I mean, it was pretty cool. I was 20 years old. Right and by SeaWorld over there. You which got I it. I don't know what it is now. I don't know what it is now. <laughs> Anyhow, he invited me the next morning to the Hotel Del Coronado with all these bigwigs, walk into a brunch, never been to the Dell. I was 20. I mean, you know, women's studies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Met uh, uh, Larry Lawrence, okay. and he said, "I got a son," because <laughs> that's what you do. And uh, I didn't meet the son. Another couple years on June third at Golden Hall, an election return. Hey, that's my birthday, by the way, June third. Okay. Hey, right. Gemini, so yeah. am I, June twelfth. Right. There you go. Um, saw a good-looking guy walking across the hall, and he went and kissed his dad. And I said, "Oh." That's him. <laughs> but I, that was it. It was Cupid, and uh-huh. we were together for um, 32 years. Yeah. Until yeah. he passed. Well, what, a, what a heck of a, a life, though. But four beautiful, four beautiful, beautiful, beautiful children. Beautiful children, yeah. yes, yeah. born in off election years, except the last. 
Um, after Let's the, name them off. It's AJ. Oh, AJ, AJ Lawrence, 29, Dustin, 27, Seth, 25, stop. Republicans take over Congress, relax, Jamaica baby, got that girl. Yeah. <laughs> Born a month before the presidential primary, but God bless her. And that's Maddie. Maddie so. is 20 at UCSD. Yeah. But uh, just a wonderful family. I've got a daughter at UCSD, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Maddie's going to be a junior. Okay. All right, so you meet Bob, and uh, you start your family, mm-hmm. and um, but both very civic-minded. Bob's a developer, and then you, you get into um, what PR and communications and marketing? or um, uh, It was really mostly politics. Mm-hmm. Um, he was actually an attorney mm-hmm. uh, for a couple of years, and then he decided that he didn't like writing uh, the real estate you know, stuff for these people. He said, I can do this myself. And he, w- he became a developer. Mm-hmm. And I really stayed in politics. Uh, by 84, I was working with Marie and Elaine Gallantson on the mm-hmm. Mondale campaign. And then Lynn Shank ran for supervisor, and she's one of my closest friends. And I re- helped run that race. And by really 85, I was do- I did a little gig with Steve Peace over at Foursquare Productions. And that led into a position with, at the time, Assemblywoman Lucy Calais. Yeah. Had the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes been produced yet? Though? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, up, I was there the when they were uh, doing another film called Sour Grapes. It didn't really go anywhere. But, yeah. yes. John DeBello. John DeBello. <laughs> and we did some uh, great commercials and movies. It was I, I learned a lot back Really? Then. That's <laughs> outstanding. Didn't, did not know that. But anyway, we're coming up on a break. Uh, we're going to come back with Laurie Black, who has been a former a, a, a port commissioner and a few other things. So I'll just run up some, play up some of their music, and we'll come back right after these words. Hang on. All right, we are back with Laurie Black. That's in honor of Dick Van Dyke, of course, good friend of the show. There will be a movie coming out on him eventually, hopefully by the end of this year. I've been talking with the filmmaker. He did one on Phyllis Diller, Jerry Lewis, and uh, he's working on this one, too, so... Um, We'll probably have a very nice event. We'll announce that. You know, Dick was a former resident of Coronado. That's true. That's true. I think in his 50s back in the day. But uh, we're back with Lori Black. Hey, hey, Lori, quick question. What year did you meet Lynn Shank? Because she's like one of the all-time great political Um, legends in this I met Lynn in 1979. I wrote her a letter as a senior in college and Mm. said, whatever you do, I want to be a part of it. (laughs) And we've been hooked at the hip ever since. It's been an honor. And, of course, the glue that, that held a lot of people together was Midge Costanza. I yes. know she invited me to your home when you and Bob were hosting Bill Press, who flew out from Washington. And I guess you bought, I don't know, 100 copies of his book to give to the guests that he signed, mm-hmm. uh, Bush Must Go, which I thought was pretty. <laughs> it was very good. I, funny. Well done. But, um, of course, Midge invited me to that, and that's what she did. She connected people up. She was so good at that, and uh, that's why I think everyone really loved her uh, for, for that skill. But um, what do you remember mostly about Midge? I know you were there at the end with her when she was, uh, was it, in the I, hospital. Yeah, I met Midge via a college student at uh, Washington, D.C. It was a March in July of 78. Over 150, maybe 200,000 women all dressed in white like the suffragettes. And this was about the Equal Rights Amendment. Mm-hmm. And Midge, ah, she was up there. <laughs> and Gloria Steinem and Lily Tomlin and all of them. And I called my mom and dad and said, I don't want to come back to San Diego. I found where I want to stay. And so you got to come back. This is Washington? This was going on in Washington? This was going on in Washington. Oh and long God. story short, many years later, um, yeah. Lynn, uh, Midge moved down to San Diego and started working in Democratic politics. Uh-huh. And she knew Lynn Shank when Lynn was a White House fellow 
in the West Wing back when Midge was there. And oh, really? their friendship there. She was working in the Carter White House too then? She went from the Ford White House to the Carter White mm. House. Lynn did, went through the transition. I didn't know that. Yes. And that's where Lynn and Midge met. So that was almost 40 years ago. Huh. And when Lynn became a the first woman south of L.A. to become a member of Congress, we needed Midge in the office. And we she helped us write speeches. She helped us build up. It and was it, a tough time. And, of course, you became chief of staff too. I did become chief of staff. I was a busy woman. I had a one-year-old, a three-year-old, and a five-year-old. I don't know how I did it, but I did it. How did Congressman, I mean, it's a long commute from San Diego. Obviously, it's the longest commute of any Congress member just about, unless you're from Seattle or someplace. But, I mean, tell us just what the average month, I mean, as far as trips back and forth for, it's it's a lot, isn't it? It is a lot. And you really do have to be in a district like that at the time. It was not a safe Democratic district. It was a little bit over Democrat, but it was pretty even. Uh, You fly out Monday night to Washington, D.C. You're on the floor Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, fly out Thursday night. (laughs) Never make plans, I learned from the Honorable Lynn Shank on Friday. Something always happens Hmm. Friday afternoon. And boy, to this day, that has turned out to be true. So so in the context of 30 years ago, uh, how big was the staff and the budget? Um, this was about 25 years ago. Years the, ago I mean. um, we had a staff of 18 okay. divided amongst an office in Washington, D.C., one in Hillcrest, because that was near to my house mm-hmm. and the pediatrician. Uh-huh. And then we had another one uh, in Imperial Beach. Uh-huh. We had two people down there because we had some South Bay. Yeah. And uh, the budget is interesting. Lynn decided not to do a lot of things. So our budget was about 750000 less than the average budget mm-hmm. at that time. Okay. But it didn't really seem to matter. We should have used that money to communicate what she was doing, and she might have won, (laughs) to be really honest with you. But, you know, people were looking at budgets, and at the time, if you remember, Vice President Gore was looking at reinventing government, Mm -hmm. and Lynn wanted to be a part of what that was happening with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, she did vote for the Deficit Reduction Act, and I think she got beat up for that. Um, But, you know, um, she she fell on her sword for doing the right thing. You know, Bill Clinton said that was the linchpin of his of his all of his eight years of his economic success, mm-hmm. uh, for for better or for worse. Uh, do you agree with that? I mean, I uh, do. the The problem is that all the women, you know, that was the year of the women, right after Anita Hill. All those women, not all of them, but most of them who won in '92 lost by '94 right. mm. because they took that vote. Margie Margolis Mazvesky and Karen mm-hmm. Shepard, mm-hmm. and I think part of that, as we look back, was the Democrats at the time who'd been there for many, many years weren't listening to these new women coming in and taking them up on the new kind of politics that were really happening mm-hmm. with women, with children. Yeah. Uh, some of the things, frankly, that the first lady Hillary Clinton was talking about. Yeah. Well, I mean, California does have two female senators. Looks like we're going to get another female yeah, we in are. there. So uh, Kamala's looking good for her. Uh, actually, two Democrats are running, so one of them's going to yeah, get Yeah, one of them's going to win for <laughs> sure. <laughs> <gonna> win for <laughs> two yes. Democratic women, right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, well, as we, as Billie Jean King used to say, you've come a long way, baby, right? I mean, things have certainly <laughs> changed in Congress. Now, as far as the male-to-female ratio in Congress, it's uh, is it still about 17% uh, – female in Congress. I I think I did the math once. It's got to be going up. It's going up. Yeah, it is going up. And there's some real opportunities. Uh, We've got Ann Kilpatrick in the Senate Mm -hmm. running against uh, McCain. I mean, there's some really good people out there. And there are three women on the Supreme Court. Like, I forgot about, you know, there's a third one. So one more to go. And, you know, that's that's probably... That's something to think about when you're voting for president, people. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. But... um, 
so let's see. So Midge, uh, and, and, and then just tell us about, um, you know, when you got involved in the downtown partnership. Obviously, you had your experience in Congress, and, and I guess then you started to focus yeah, more on Yeah, I basically spent the first 15 years in uh, Democratic political government, whether mm-hmm. it be fundraising or communications for varied elected officials here locally, the state, and federally. And uh, after I had my daughter, I stayed home for a couple of years and got frustrated with what was happening in downtown. I had a schizophrenic brother who on, the, on and off over the years was unable to get services from the county, unable mm-hmm. to, we weren't able to access. And it was at that point that I said, I, I'm gonna go downtown. And so I applied for the downtown partnership job. I, you know, they swallowed hard. It was a woman with four kids, a Democrat. They'd never seen anybody like me come into there. Mm-hmm. And basically on the fourth interview, I said at the wow. end, they asked me a lot of questions. And I said, I have a question for you. Who goes to Little League games? Who goes? Mm-hmm. One guy you'd know said, I go to, you know, water polo. And I said, well, I go to Little League games. I got three sons. If that's, you know, if downtown's more important than that, don't hire me. But I'm telling you, if I can run a house with four kids, a husband, keep everybody happy and get to bed, I can do this in downtown. Who, who hires for the, these uh, BIDs? Is this was... Um, the city? Or? It's a board. No, uh, a board. downtown partnership. Craig Irving was the chair. And oh, yeah. Right. He was mm-hmm. very, very brave. Uh, he, to this day, remains a very close friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And at the time, Prop C was going through. And so we made Craig was the chair of that campaign. And I got to know Charles Steinberg and Larry mm-hmm. Lakino. And after Prop C1, there was huge provisions, if you remember, to mitigate the homeless that were going to be coming out of there. And that's when I got to know the wonderful Mike Madigan, Mm. who went to work for Mayor Golding at the time to figure it out. And and it goes from there. I I realized one of my board members said to me, "Um, it's your job, Lori Black, to get rid of the urine-stained bums of downtown. (laughs) And in my head, I said, he doesn't know that that person talks to the trees and the trees talk back. Mm-hmm. So we spent almost two years trying to educate, the, especially the people who own the properties, not yeah. just the businesses, about what mental health means, yeah. what homelessness means, what veterans' help means. And within two and a half years, we started the Clean and Safe program, mm-hmm. raised the money, and it still exists today. It's not perfect. And now I'm pounding on the county. <laughs> well, 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 tell us about the Clean and Safe program. What, actually, what does it do? Yeah, well, well, what year did that come in, Clean and Safe? Um, that was passed in July of 2000. Okay, mm-hmm. 2000. Describe what the program d- does. The program work. basically is financially, it is a tax, if you will, on the property owners of downtown. And they pay a little bit extra money to have what they would call enhanced services. Mm -hmm. So the city still provides the water cleaning and what have you, but really the people in downtown, especially when we started developing the neighborhoods, were not happy with their services. So they were more than happy if you're a resident to pay another 10 or $15 a year. And if you're a property owner, there's a certain kind of calculation. And uh, it went from... um, so you know, clean and safe mostly focused on what keeping the the areas clean. It and is the streets clean. It, it's a combination of clean. So you're cleaning not the so streets. Not so much the homeless. Then it was no. no, no yeah, okay. On the safety, on the okay. safety side, ba- basically the downtown partnership took over two positions at the city. Although those positions they weren't lost, they went mm-hmm. somewhere else. And so instead of having two or three people, we had almost 25 people in downtown. We tied in in a collaborative. There you go. We'll, right. we'll get more into that. We'll come back with okay. Lori Black, former Port Commissioner, former Head of Downtown Partnership, right after this. Hang on. 
right, we're back with the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life. And this is the time where Richard likes to thank our sponsors. Big thank you as always to our sponsors. Could not do this award-winning show without our award-winning <coughs> sponsors. UBS, Michael Caronch, and Drew Friedis. In fact, Mike is in studio with us. Mike, you guys just put something really cool up on the IYMoney.com website. Can you describe that in 20 seconds or less? We did. It's off our intellectual capital blog. And just to summarize for those who are looking for career choices or know young people that are doing so, nonprofit 80,000 Hours has created an amazing career guide uh, on their website, which you can get to by going to the IY Money site. It'll take about four hours to get through. Uh, but looking at some of the content they have, they'll take you through exercises and finding a high-impact career or many high-impact options that you may not have thought of for you or those that you know. More directed toward college students or anybody? Uh, younger people. Younger people, but yeah, anybody. Okay. Anybody. All right. Anybody. Okay. It's a really cool web. I mean, it's a really cool res resource. Um, okay. So thanks okay. for UBS for that. Let's do the rest of the sponsors, though. Our favorite CPAs on the planet, two groups of them, by the way. Thank you, Michael. We got Signature Analytics with Jason Kruger, CPA, a great CFO service firm, as well as Polito Epic CPAs, Don Epic and Paul Polito, more traditional CPAs. Our great friend, Joel Grushkin, with Cost Segregation Initiatives, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. Brenda Geiger, the law office of Brenda Geiger, specializing in asset protection and estate planning. Our favorite bankers on the planet, California at Republic Bank with Lane Elliott and Sean, Public, uh, Sean Puckett, working with high net worth families and family offices with very specialized banking services. Gentlemen, I just had a meeting with Neil Staley with Hub International, formerly known as Marsmatics Insurance, absolutely incredible employee benefits firm. The LG Experience and the Lombardi Group, Helping wealth advisors make heroes out of CPAs to the CPA's very best clients. The LG Experience has a great continuing education event coming up at Omni La Costa Resort on July 11th, 12th, and 13th. Also, our good friend Paul Hines, Hearthstone Private Wealth Management. Paul, of course, heads up the senior safeandsound.org initiative here in San Diego, helping to prevent financial elder abuse. And Nathan Watkins, Worldwide Credit. Interest rates are still extremely low. Nathan is probably the most informed mortgage broker we've ever worked with. Absolutely incredible resource for anybody buying or refinancing. Joe, I'm getting hungry saying all of this. <laughs> what can I do? Well, we also have to thank the Berry Good Food Foundation and, and, and Michelle Lirac for uh, being one of our sponsors, as well as Lestat's Coffee House, about to open their third location on University Avenue, right across from the, up, the former Uptown District. I think it's called The Hub now. And they also have their initial, uh, their the original site on Adams Avenue in uh, Normal Heights and then Park Boulevard on, in University Heights. But open 24-7, 365, and uh, outstanding music at the uh, at the original site, by the way. Everyone knows that. Anyway, Richard, uh, people want to know more about our sponsors, just get over to the website, iwomoney.com. There is a drop-down menu there on the Sponsor tab, and they can click on any one or all of them. And I know they've most of them have been working with you for many, many years. In some right? cases, almost 30 years. <laughs> and for anybody who doesn't know what to do with their life, career-wise, check out the great U UBS app that we put up there. There you go. Excellent, excellent. But uh, back to Laurie Black, uh, former poor commissioner. So we talked about clean and safe. I know homeless is another passion of yours in, as far as uh, rectifying the program. I know recently, um, I, I think with the All-Star game coming, they're trying to clean up downtown and, and uh, maybe not in the best way, uh, most humane way uh, possible. Do you have any but, thoughts? But, but Laurie, quick, quick question. Approximately what percentage of homeless people in San Diego have a mental illness or some cognitive issue? You know, 
there's different statistics on that. It back when when we were doing this, it, the statistic was as high as 75 percent mm-hmm. have some kind of illness, a duly diagnosed, so a schizophrenic on crack. Um, it's a little bit less than that. We're seeing a different shift in population mm-hmm. right right now uh, than we were about 15 years ago. Still, veterans are probably the highest mm-hmm. of the homeless that we see that. Uh, the, the men. You know, Richard, the there's an article that was recently published by Voice of San Diego, mm-hmm. and there's three big myths about the homeless. One is that they're mostly mentally ill. Another is that uh, they want to stay on the streets, and uh, I forget the thing, but, but uh, the things we assume or presume are not necessarily true if you look at the data. Well, I'm, I'm shocked at the amount of women and children. Yeah, it's homeless. I mean, I'm family. shocked by the problem in general. And oh, the hey, amount of women here's the children. other one. Everyone thinks they're from some other place and migrating here. Not true. A lot of them are are from here and mm. have become homeless here. So uh, that's disturbing. And uh, so Lori's got some thoughts as far as um, possible solutions or resolutions or, or moving in the right direction. What, what do you think, Lori? I know you've helped out personally. You've helped out homeless yourself. So. Yeah, we were down uh, at Petco on Sunday and Monday with uh, cooling stations with water. Mm -hmm. The homeless situation is something that I have been involved in probably for 35 years here in San Diego. Uh, It was not as much a problem 30-plus years ago as it is today. And that's really not just here. It's throughout the state of California. And as we all know, that goes way back to 1969 when the laws changed. And the counties were given the responsibility and the county was very involved. We, they were part of what we were doing in downtown with Clean and Safe and part of an ad hoc committee that included really everybody at the table. And at this point now, the county has $140 plus million from the 2004 legislation. And to be honest with you, they're, they're not doing what they need to be doing with it. Uh, mm-hmm. An article came out a few months ago that this is what we're going to do. I didn't see one of the 18 cities in that article about how they were going to plug into what's happening locally. Mm-hmm. And it's beyond frustrating. I, I really believe we have to develop a comprehensive citywide homeless outreach program. The program needs to be designed with guidelines, form a team of qualified, experienced homeless outreach workers and housing navigators, our problem so much is housing first. Mm -hmm. We have to build facilities, and the city of San Diego can do that, but they need services, and that's where the county comes in. It takes one of these leaders to knock on the door of the other leader and say, please, let's work together. Staff's doing it, but it's not being done at the elected official and, level. And Veterans Village, apparently, they do a pretty good job, but they need they need more resources. It's small, and there's they need to... You they know, do. The, well, Veterans Village has approved. That was actually a project of mine. It was um, back in 2000. They had a vision for their little pink hotel there on Pacific Coast Highway, mm-hmm. and I got very involved in it. And we, if you think of a piece of pie of eight pieces, the way that was funded was all kinds of places. It was private funds. It was through the works of Juan Vargas at the time, Susan Davis, Dee Dee Alpert, Bob mm. Filner, Ron Roberts. I mean, it was truly an effort. See that global thing. That's what I want people to want them to do with regard to the sea lion issue in La Jolla. If we get, <laughs> let's pull these resources. You know, and instead of kicking the you know plain hot potato with it, get everyone to the table and and um, and get them to work on it. Right. If you when you establish a network of communication and build on existing outreach, you will get. You'll get responses because you're communicating and you're collaborating. Everybody puts their ego 
behind the door mm-hmm. and they just sit down and get to work. And it doesn't matter who's at the microphone. It matters if we're taking care of the people. I walked 13th, 14th, 15th, and 16th Street this last weekend with my father. We've both be, been advocates, especially for mentally ill. Mm-hmm. And I started to cry. I saw children living in tents on 15th and 16th Street. This is in the hot, hot summer. Mm-hmm. You know, this is Father's Day. It's, you know, there was no Father's Day going on. Yeah, in America's finest city, right? And, of course, we've got the All-Star game coming. Yeah, the plan seems to be just to move them to another neighborhood for the All-Star game, which doesn't work. They spent about $60,000 and put those rocks under under the bridge. Yeah, that was unconscionable. uh, You you know, uh, why don't they just try to, you know, pick them up and bring them someplace uh, safe? I'm thinking with all the land near the, let's say, the main post, the, 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 uh, vacant main post office on Midway there. I mean, there's there's a lot. There was an opportunity, I really felt. I think, Joan, you and I have talked about this. That property would have been an amazing property to have an intake system mm-hmm. where you would do an intake. I, unfortunately, nobody pulled it together. And at the time, to be honest with you, I was taking care of my husband who was very ill with cancer and my mm-hmm. mom. And I wasn't able to activate my act, you know, my advocacy, if yeah. you will. Mm-hmm. And it got sold to private, you know, equity, and that's it. We we lost that property. Well, you great know, place. The, the, well, you know, some people are terming out in this county and town. So think about that, Lori Black. We'll come right back with Lori Black, former poor commissioner, right after this. Hang on. All right, we're back on track with Lori Black, former poor commissioner, and. Um, that's okay. funny. Can I tell you something? Sure. When I ran for secretary in fourth grade, keep on the right track, but for Lori Black, that was <laughs> That's it. Good. I love that, Joe. That's I love good, it. Joe. <laughs> well, we're back on track with Lori Black. Did, did you win easily? Or I, it, I don't know if it's contested. easy, but, dude, okay. I won. Okay, good. good. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, now, I was there with you and Bob when you were first up for election for the Port Commission mm. with the City Council, and um, it didn't quite work out because Steve Cushman uh, got to – he actually <laughs> – uh, got back another term, even though he was termed out. So through the miracle of uh, of influence, I guess, uh, and and uh, but he has a good, re- good reputation. It's not what you know, Joe. It's yeah. who you know. Is he but still, anyway, wait, is Steve still on the board? Commission? No, no. Steve no, is not. now back on the convention center board. Gotcha, gotcha. But um, well, what is a, the life of a port commissioner? Like you're in charge of all the lands along the coastal downtown area and region, right? Yeah. As far as rents and and vision and and structures, and it's a lot of power but, there, but, right? But huge amount of tourism dollars, correct? That's there? correct. Yeah. It's an interesting port. We are the only port that has five cities. So we are San Diego, Coronado, Imperial Beach, National City, and Chula Vista. And that makes for an interesting dynamic Mm -hmm. when you consider that the monies coming to the port um, are predominantly from the city of San Diego. Mm -hmm. So there's always a bit of an edge. There are seven members, three from San Diego and one from each of the other cities. And uh, this was a bill that uh, was done in 1962 to so these are California lands and the commission is really to monitor you know create visions if you will mm-hmm. that does not include housing so there's no housing on the water mostly but it's commercial property. mostly commercial yeah. fisheries hotels what yeah. have you yeah well a lot going on now seaport villages I guess is yes. uh, the whole lease is up down there that's a lot of prime property right there um, what do you ex- what do you expect more uh, just a, a facelift or a complete uh, leveling and, and redesign well, I, I'll just go back to this. In 2007, uh, there, Terramar, uh, with Bruce Walton, had the sole, <laughs> they had a sole lease on there. And it was my I, notion, frankly, that we should give it to them. 
let them create the 28 acres. Let's figure out how to make it right. And it just something about the port, it just didn't happen. So again, they went out. You've got, I did go down there and took a look to what is happening. Um, what I've learned from Owen Lang, who came up with the North Embarcadero Visionary Plan back in 96, 97, 98, he said, plan your waterfront for yourself. Plan the waterfront for San Diegans. People are going to come. And he did about a 45-minute show, if you will, mm -hmm. PowerPoint of all the waterfronts all over the world and why we like them. Mm -hmm. The people live there. Yeah. The tourists come. Mm -hmm. And what's, what's happened is that vision that we kind of created back in the 90s is not the same vision that you know Mike McDade and a number of the other commissioners at the time. That's not really exactly what's happened today. What's really we're looking at is a bending over, in my opinion, to tourism. Mm -hmm. um, it's not a place that I would necessarily want to go on a Sunday with my New York Times or my Union Tribune or whatever. So make it more recreational, more park-like, uh, and less commercial. Huh? Th that's my opinion. Mm. I, you've got incredible green spaces. I mean, if we could do what we've done in Chicago in terrible weather, you've got 30 miles along Lake Michigan, and I sit there, I stand there, I walk there, and I say, why can't we do this in mm -hmm. San Diego? Why can't I walk from, you know, South Embarcadero all the way over to Point Loma? You can't. Mm -hmm. Why can't you? There's five different municipalities managing this water mm -hmm. along with the port. Mm -hmm. Again, it's another example of if we could collaborate together mm -hmm. with the city, with the airport, with Sandag, <laughs> I mean, it, it, we could make it happen. Well, Seaport Village, I, I, I mean, some people are proposing uh, surf, uh, I guess, wave machines and all kinds of th recreational things. And, and I hope, you know, I don't maybe look another version of Belmont Park. Yeah, I don't we know. have that just down the street at Belmont Park. <laughs> I, I have to tell I was thinking that. But I think those developers, one of them was from uh, uh, Huntington Beach and the other was from Denver. So maybe they, you know, want that in Denver. Yeah. <laughs> So Chicago, compared to us, what do you like about Chicago that you think we should incorporate? More trees, more pathways, more bike paths? or They don't have a lot of pa bike paths in Chicago, right. to be really honest with you. But they have flowers, you know, all over in the streets of downtown. Well, Joe, Joe, it's tough to be a pedestrian along the waterfront. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you mentioned if you go to Europe and go to, you know, Germany, and you see flowers all over the place. And, and who's got a better climate for growing plants and flowers than San Diego? And we just don't see them here like you do when you're on Bill. You, you know, right, Richard? You've been there. You do in Little Italy. Yeah. we got to give a true. plug to Marco LaMondri. Okay. When yeah. I was at the, uh, with my dad for Father's Day weekend over at the mark there. Flowers all over yeah, the place. Yeah, they have improved the yes. You bet. Yeah. You bet. So he gets it. But uh, it'd be nice if uh, more San Diego catches on. We right just need more that. Italians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're, you might have a point there, Richard. So. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so let's see. Poor commission. So what's a, what's a, the life of a poor commissioner like? How many hours do you have to put in a week? How many meetings? And It's, re and it's um, one or two meetings a month, but mm. it's as much as you want. To be honest, my late husband said to me, it became a full-time job. Mm -hmm. And that was fine. That's really, in my opinion, what it took. And I put most of my things aside except the kids and mm -hmm. really, really learned what I needed to learn about 10th Avenue. Um, I traveled, went to Korea, went to Japan, went to Shanghai, learned about shipbuilding, ship you know, cargo, uh, that we were a niche port, why we couldn't be like LA or Long Beach, mm -hmm. um, how high or why, um, how we could get heads in beds, you know. Mm -hmm. um, 
there's there were there were a lot of things we could do. Um, I still to this day am very interested in having some kind of an arena or an amphitheater on the waterfront. Uh, it's you know not something at this point. Yeah, I know you and I had the discussion about the new stadium, but I honestly think Wh- if, what new stadium? Yeah, if we could, <laughs> I'm thinking I'm more with you as far as maybe moving a sports arena because the sports arena, you know. For all its history and, 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 you know, it's not... It's a, a collector's item, Joe. It's not a pretty structure. I was Unless, there at the Who. There were a lot of collector's yeah. items yeah. there a few <laughs> weeks ago. And, and you, bo- you both were there for Madonna, too. I was there for I was, Madonna. I went to Madonna, so, too. Yeah, yeah, I went to Madonna. But uh, I do think downtown, rather than a, a, a 70,000 or 80,000 seat outdoor arena and I know the thing I'm putting but why not just a sports arena and and move that down there let the soccer team and the hockey team play there and, and use that for convention use as well I think to fill to fill that's a lot easier for a convention than a than a big football stadium I think right I I think you can have both I I'm a person who believed back when that you could have a, a library with a children's museum, with a school, you're consolidating resources, you've got a sports arena just down the way as far as a football field. Listen, I'm a coach's daughter. I love the Chargers, but, I, you know, let, let's figure out how to pay for it without taxpayer well, that, money. That, that's step, step number one, right. I mean, aside from location. But um, uh, anyway, um, yeah, the library is, is a nice structure. You've been through there, I take it, right? The, I, yes, the new Central I was library. on the library commission um, for six years, yes. Huh. And that was one thing that I got to tell you, we, Governor Gray Davis, along with Lynn Shank and Dee Dee Alpert, we came up with the first $20 million, advocated mm-hmm. it, brought it down through CCDC, and that really helped kick it off. I will. I brought, in fact, I brought my kids to the city council meeting when we were collecting the check, and Tony Atkins kept giving them chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did bring it in on time and on budget. They did with, on time. And we had Rob Quigley, the architect, we on the did. show. Yes. We had him and Mel Katz. Yeah, as a matter of fact, they're so. great. Yeah. They, they, Mel did an incredible job. He did. He did, and it's a it's a wonderful structure. But uh, in our last few minutes here, let's see what I want to focus on. Um, not the library so much, but... Um, hey, can I ask you a question? Sure. Vista Hill Foundation gave you a really prestigious award in 2014. Can you mention that real quickly? Because they're my good friends. Oh, I love Vista Hill. Vista Hill, um, it was an award for Mental Health Advocate of the Year. I, I think it went for the longevity, frankly, of mm. the kinds of things that I had been advocating for um, it really, it, it's always done on behalf of my but, brother. But a tremendous resource here in town. Vista it's, Hill. And it's one of the Incredible. finest resources for mentally ill children, adults, um, drug abuse, me, you know, mm-hmm. depression. That that really, it's very well known throughout the states. We're going to have a show July 9th. We already quit with uh, Shannon Jacquard from uh, NAMI, National Alliance mm-hmm. for Mental Illness. And um, uh, that's a very good resource as well. So they probably collaborate or refer or whatever. They do. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Yes. And uh, they, they, do, they do great work. So we got homeless. We got water. We got climate change. Uh, we got all kinds of things. We got with. music playing, too. <laughs> we, darn it. <laughs> so we have to thank you, Lori Black, former Port Commissioner, Downtown Partnership. Happy great, Saturday. Great night. seeing you. And uh, Mike, thanks for being Michael Cronda from UBS. Thanks for being here. Richard Musio, great seeing you. Justin Hart, our sound engineer. Thanks for making us sound terrific. Thanks to Craig Blank, our account executive, and to Dave Sniff, our programming genius here at KFMB. All these podcasts are commercial-free on iymoney.com. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.